morning, everybody. Um, our Bible reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 12, and um, I'll be reading from verses 1 to 9. Genesis 12, verse 1 to 9. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Here ends the reading of God's word. Good morning, dear brothers and sisters. It's wonderful to be here this morning, and uh, thank you, Simon and uh, St. Panabas family uh, church, to invite a Zulu to come and stand on your stoop. Do you know that, Phil? It's wonderful to be here among brothers and sisters. Yes, I was Zulu, and at one stage in my life, you know, the Lord called me, and I belong to you. I'm stuck with you. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, um, just like that quotation that you shared there in the beginning, and it reminded me of why the church exists. I think sometimes we lose the vision of why God has called us, and sometimes we, we focus inwardly and focus on ourselves without thinking and praying for those communities, for those people who are living and dying without Christ. In missions, maybe 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 20 years ago, we used to think of missions as something that is far away over there. For good reasons, the Lord has changed that. It doesn't mean that there is no need in China or in Kenya or in Wazulu Natal among my own people, Zulu people. But it does mean that today we have to think of it differently. And I was thinking of missions uh, this morning as a stream of water, uh, a stream, a river. And I was thinking that the river uh, continues to be a river with water. But some sometimes the river does change its course. And that's what's happening in missions. I don't know where you stay, but I'm sure that wherever you are, you look around, you find Somalis who do not believe in Christ. You find Pakistanis, you find 
all sorts of people, the majority of them are coming from that 1040 window. 20 years ago when I started in missions, we were praying so much that Lord sent people there. And we, st we are still praying. We are praying for back to Jerusalem movement. Those young Chinese professionals who when they step out of China, they might never again see their parents because of the place where God is, they believe God is calling them. The challenge is difficult, the persecution. Outside of China, that route towards Jerusalem, it's not just a, a trip from China to Jerusalem. It's reaching out to those nations, and it might take many, many, many years. And God has brought them on our doorstep. We do not stop for missionaries who feel called to go to those countries. But you know, if you come to me as a mission of Belize and say you want to go to China and you have never heard a burden to go to a Chinese shop and at least start a conversation of wanting to get to know a Chinese person, how does he think, you know, what is his attitude and so on, etc. I don't think I'll send you off to China. Uh, you will be a little bit worried. But then, brothers and sisters, that means that the, the challenge is huge for us. And it's right here in our doorstep. And what I'm saying here, doorstep, was a really privilege for me to sing in those different languages in, Af in Africa. Most of them are Southern Africa. And even there in Zimbabwe, in Mutare, you have a lot of Chinese. So it's the mission field everywhere. But you and me are called to follow Christ and to follow why the purpose of calling his church on this earth. Well, as we look at this story of Abraham, and thank you so much for reading for us uh, there. Um, as before we look at this story of Abraham, um, I know that sometimes we uh, people who are passionate about missions, like you, St. Barnabas, we sometimes upset other people. When we say the Bible is actually about missions, it's about God on mission. From Genesis to Revelation, it's this river that is flowing. But this river might change. I'm talking about the methods when I'm changing. But God himself and the content of scriptures will never change. That will remain the same. So we learn from the Bible, we see in the Bible, we learn about God in the Bible. The God who is moving, the God who is in mission, the God who is working. But in this uh, particular uh, chapter that we read here today, we see that God has designed it in a way that he wants to be on his mission with his people. You know, I don't think God needs us. He can, he can go there and just change the things. But the way he has designed it is that he invites you and me to be part of what he is doing in his world. I like the mission organization that are here. Uh, all of them, they are very important. We are not in competition. But I always like to quote from the SIM purpose statement, not because I don't see the importance of others, but that mission purpose of uh, SIM, I think it's for all of us Christians, feel called to cross those barriers to communities where Christ is least known. Whether that may be prison, where down the road. You know, sometimes we do not think 
that those people under the bridges who are homeless are part of our calling. Few Christians, few churches, they just pass by. Are they people who need to hear the gospel as well? So who are those communities who are living and dying without Christ? Let's bow and ask the Lord to help us as we look at this at this passage. Well, Father, we just come before you again, Lord, and we thank you that uh, you have called us to be your children and follow you. But that, Father, you've also called us to follow you in what you are doing. As we look together this passage, Lord, pray that you'll help us. You'll help me and help my brothers and sisters here. Open our minds, Father. Let's hear your voice, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I'll focus on four verses. And uh, um, if you are used to a 3.4 form sermon, I don't think I'll be good at that this morning. But there are three things that I want to highlight. <laughs> well, I kind of call this session, uh, this time together here, and it, it's because it's right there in the scripture. We are looking at the call, the missional call of Abraham and his obedience. That is important for us as we look back at the scripture, as this passage is God's word, to also look at how Abraham responded to that call of God. And the first thing that I want us to look at is the call itself. And the call was the call to go. Look at verse 1, chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And every time when I think of this Abraham's call, I say, Lord, why didn't you give him a cell phone with a navigation? So how Abraham was supposed to respond to this call? Because God is not specific. He doesn't tell him the details of where exactly is this land. But the call is very clear. And the second thing in this call in verse 1, which is very clear, is the land. Go, I will show you the land. So this passage tells us the Lord spoke to Abraham. We are not told how God spoke to Abraham. We are neither told why God chose to call this man. But Abraham received the, the, this call. But he knew from the beginning, I, I want to believe that, that right from the beginning he knew that receiving this call was so that at the end Abraham will be a blessing to the nations. You know, God was very clear in the beginning. Even in the formation of the nation of Israel, even putting them in the land that he had promised Abraham, it was very clear that in God's heart, Nations were part of his desire. He wanted nations to come to know him. Well, when Abraham received this call to be a blessing to the nations, it was not until about in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, that he believed in the Lord's promise that he would have innumerable offspring that God counted it to him as righteousness. So, 
believing, responding by faith, led him to be known as a man of righteousness because he believed the word of God and he acted on it as we'll see as we continue. So at that point, I'm going to believe that Abraham was justified by faith. He is merely called to go from his country and family and father's house to the land God would show him. But as we read further in this chapter, we know that it wasn't that far, Abraham, this wonderful man who is the father of all the children of faith. And I had to lie. Maybe there was a time when he, he suddenly, you know, the fear came and grabbed him. And maybe for a moment he forgot that God say, I will be with you all the time. But let's look at the land, because this theme of the land is very important in the call of Abraham. So we should also notice the first appearance of God's promise regarding the land. This will become a dominant theme, right through, not just in this chapter, but as we know, right up to the time of Exodus, when God ushered his people to the land. So God will promise this land to Abraham and to Abraham's seed. You find that again in chapter, in verse 7. And we see that Abraham's response, when he was shown this land, he responded, verse 7 and 8. Let me read verse 7 and 8. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. And what Abraham did? So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Look at verse 8. From there he moved on to the whole country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. So that's why I said, well, God, why didn't you give him a navigator? But one thing that, uh, that really I like about Abraham, he went, he got. He believed in God. And then he continues. But look again here in verse 1. God said, uh, God said he would show Abraham the land. And God did. Maybe at this time the, Lord, the land was still full of uh, Canaanites. And we know from the reading of scripture that it takes many years before Abraham's biological children, as the people of Israel, the Jewish people, went back and claimed the land for themselves. So, it's, so the whole narrative, in a sense, is about the land God said he will show to give Abraham and his offspring. It was in this land God would reveal his glory through Israel. They were supposed to reach out from there to nations. And one day Jesus Christ will be born, live, and die in that part of the world. It was all in God's plan. Because of this, the land will be a source of great blessing, not just only to Israel people who are direct descendants of Abraham, but as we'll see a bit later, to all of those who are Abraham's children by promise. So they will become a great blessing to all the nations. 
It's amazing, brothers and sisters, when we study the scriptures and see it in action of how God truly used other nations. You know, Ruth is my one favorite story. Ruth was a Moabite. He's one of the grandparents of Jesus. Great grandparents of Jesus. He was not a Jew. And there are many other examples which show us God's heart. But in God's plan, Abraham and the nation of Israel and the land was important for them to be a stepping stone. So, so, so Israel was called to be a nation that becomes a missionary nation to all the nations on the earth. But let's move to a second thing here. You can call it a point, okay? The blessing and the promises. After verse 1, the clear call, and God comes in verse 2 and 3. He says, let me read, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families on earth shall be blessed. How do we understand these words from God's perspective? What is the theocentric interpretation of these verses? Well, I think it, you'll agree with me that it becomes immediately obvious that God is the one who is at the center of this calling and what Abraham and his, and his obedience will look like. Because God, several times, he says, I will. So God is the one who will fulfill his covenant with Abraham. Over and over in the passage, we see this, I will, I will, I will. And this is the covenant that God himself is making with Abraham. Even though Abraham is called to obey God, God is portrayed as the first mover. I don't know if you can stop for a moment and think about that. Because I think when I look around today, and I'm sorry to disappoint you that it's not only those churches out there that do not have the word in the center. You know, we know those prosperity gospel churches. We know that. It's obvious. We know those churches that are led by apostles and prophets. We know it's obvious. But sometimes when I come to our churches that seek to put the word in the center, we somehow sneak in ourselves in the center. We sometimes depend on our own, working hard. Well, guys, we need to work hard in preparing for a good sermon. But I think in that journey of coming up with a good sermon, I'm praying and hoping that people's eyes as they prepare is stuck to God and his word and that there's a whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And of course, we, we study, we, we prepare well, and we also need to, because God has given that, us that authority as we preach, on, because of his word, to also help the people of God how to apply the passage. But I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, the danger, even for us, whether we're reformed, evangelical, whether we use that term or not, even for us, Reformed evangelical. We need to be careful 
of how much sometimes we push ourselves forward and leave God behind. So God is at the center. And right from here we see that God is the first mover. God acts, God moves, and God initiates. And that river hasn't stopped. In missions today, it is God. Whether you go to speak to a Somali who doesn't want to hear about Christ and the gospel, and suddenly the Somali said to you, can you pray for me? Can you come back? I want to talk to you a bit more. It is God. He's doing it. And of course, your obedience is critical, is important. But he is right from the beginning to the end. Acts, moves, initiates. Remember this when it comes to your own experience and walk with God. You know, God always acts, initiates, and pursues. I was at a spiritual conference some years ago in Zimbabwe, and I heard of a, a wonderful testimony during the war in Zimbabwe. In fact, one of the men is still alive, very old in Canada. Very, very old was part of that. And the people came, you know, the, the, the army of people were taking the missionaries away or any other people who seemed to be an opponent or an oppressor. And they came, they were together in this place. And they asked for one thing. I said, please, before you kill us, just give us one minute. We want to pray. And this man's prayer was very simple. Lord, follow them wherever they go. Pursue them and grab them for yourself. And then people were killed. This man was saved. But the wonderful story of that is that that man who was a leader became a Christian. And God used that very sad that sad event, that sad accident, incident. And through that prayer, God was moved and the man became a Christian and a follower of Christ. Not just a Christian, he became actively involved in calling people to Christ. So if you and me believe that it's God who's right in the beginning and right at the end, we shouldn't fear. You know, in the Great Commission or the passage that we call Great Commission, there are so many divisions of Great Commission, but there's one that many people refer as Great Commission. Don't ask me why, but let's see it as a Great Commission. You'll find it in other passages of Scripture as well. You know, Jesus said something that is very important to his disciples. Do not fear. I am with you to the ends of the earth. When he said that, it does not mean that all the road will be smooth. That wherever you go, people will accept you. Hence, we hear of persecution. But those people who live in those countries where Christians are persecuted, I've heard many people from China saying, hey, don't pray for us, don't pray for the persecution to stop. Pray for your countries. Your Christianity in your countries is very mild, it's very lukewarm. For us, it's this persecution, we're not asking for it, but it's this persecution that makes us to want to serve our master even more. So we should see God as moving on our behalf, and we should see our call and our obedience, our respond to the call 
jumping into this river, into this stream of activity through obedience. That's all that we need, it's obedience. Then he says in these verses, I will make you a great nation, I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. Let us look at those three quickly before we move to our last point. And if Abraham left this place, can I tell you something? You know, Zulus hate ours. Maybe you didn't know that. And I'm one of the oldest Zulu that really struggled with the word that has got an R. So there's this word, you are here. Ur, I think. And if Abraham left Ur, God will do three things for him. First, God will make of Abraham a great nation. Secondly, God said he would bless Abraham. And thirdly, God will make Abraham's name great. So these are promises. These blessings, they come with these promises. God is saying to him, this is what I will do. Well, I don't know what Abraham was thinking. You know, he was not very young. He didn't have children. You know, you read for a few verses beyond our, our, our chapter here. All what he took with him in this journey was his uh, brother's son. Brother had died and uh, he took over his son and he was traveling with him. But he didn't have his own children. I don't know what might have been going in his mind when he received these three. I don't know what you think if you could put yourself in the shoes of Abraham and think of God calling you and the first call is the call to follow him. Come follow me. As a Christian, that's the first call. That's the greatest call. We want two people to have a relationship with Jesus. We want people to hear God's call on their lives, calling them out of darkness into the eternal life through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But as we walk with him, as he does things, as he continues to grow his church, by the church here, I'm referring to people in the church, not referring to the name of a denomination necessarily. But as we see God doing that, and we come to realize that, oh, this is my call in this movement of Christ, in what he's doing in his world. And that call might not be becoming a Christian leader. It might not be, praise God if uh, someone is called to go to Hop Ministry with our brother here, but maybe you might be called to just commit to prayer. I was almost in tears this past week. We had a spiritual love conference. And I met these senior SIM missionaries. And he came to me and said, why in your giving out of information, you do not update the information? I'm still praying for a new director in Angola. We appointed the new director last year. And she came back to me again. She said to me, can you show me who are these people, the Brinks? Because I've been praying for these people, but I've never met them. And I went to this young couple and said, please take your wife. Go and greet that old couple. But you know what that said to me? You might be actively out there. There are people who are spending time talking to, talking to the Lord, praying for you, praying for the ministry that God has given them. It's a very important ministry. And of course, you know, in missions, you also 
you know, we go, we give, we pray. Unlike the story of Babel, the citizens of Babel wanted to become a great people and a great nation. Can you see that? You know, there's an op a direct opposite of what God is saying to Abraham here to what the people who were building the tower on Babel were trying to do. They wanted a big name for themselves. They wanted to build this big tower so that their names will never be forgotten under the sun of the earth. But that's not the plan for us. You might be a church, not of 2,000 membership, and I like that quote in the beginning, Simon. It's not about the seats, it's not about how many people. But I don't know if you know that this church is touching so many people out there. You know, those people will graduate and go back to their own countries and continue their ministries there. It's because you have stepped in and be there for them, supported them, and encouraging them. I don't know if you know that. And I know that Simon had the privilege of going to Zimbabwe a few months ago, because I know the organizer of that, you know, he kept on updating me uh, from Zimbabwe. So this church of yours is not an inward-looking church. Praise the Lord. You might not see many thousand people coming in, but God has called you, and your, 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 your response to that call is to be obedient and continue to do what God has called you to do. Not to look at the other church next door. Not to look at the Tower of Babel, because God will not allow that. Now, now Abraham comes along, he is not presented as a striving for a name, He's not seen to be wanting to have a big name. He isn't trying to be known or famous or widely esteemed. But God declares he will make him into a blessing of man whose name will be great. We often spend so much time building our own kingdoms. And there's a temptation for us to build our own kingdoms. I'm somehow involved with a program that encourages Africans to study further and get their PhDs through John Stott Ministry, Langham. One section of that is encouraging people from the majority world. But we emphasize it over again and again. That it's not about the piece of paper. It's not about attaining your PhD. But how can you use that PhD to grow the church of God in the country where you were born and grown up and where you are serving the Lord. So the whole purpose of this ministry is not just to produce many PhDs who are theologians who goes around as theologians in Africa. But we want servant leaders. We want people who truly shepherd God's people through the heart of God. We want people to be good stewards of what they've been given. And we learn that when we see from the story of Abraham. And thirdly, he says, all the families of earth shall be blessed. God had other blessings to pronounce. He says, I will bless those who bless you, 
and, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. There are two things here. So I moved on quickly. Through his obedience, I, I, I don't know, um, I didn't check this, I don't know what's the, uh, what's the number of Christians in the world today. Maybe you know. But I know it's millions and billions of Christians. Do you know that those people are counted as Abraham's children? I don't think he knew that. He believed, he had faith, but I don't know if Abraham can wake up today and see all these churches and the, the English among them, there are Tswanas among them, there are Ovambos within them, there are Afrikaners within them, there are Zulus within them. And God said, you see, this is your obedience. See, my brothers and sisters, what God is doing here today, you might never know how in 10 years, 20 years, 100 years down the line will look like. But I think a joy that I want us to see is that when we truly respond in this obedience, say, Lord, use me. As we learn from Abraham, God will take it from there. All what we need to do is to jump on this stream which God is acting, initiating, and moving things. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I like the prayer that we pray there. There's a section that really caught my, uh, uh, my attention. Because sometimes we think that we Christians, when we, when we have done everything, it will be easy. It was never easy for Abraham. It was never easy for the disciples after the Great Commission. Some of them, they went and hide. Some of them were persecuted. Will it be easy for you and me? But the joy is to know that I am in the Father's will. Later on, we read these words in chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture for saying that God will justify the Gentiles by faith. This is Galatians, sorry. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. God will justify the, the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Let's look at the last point. The obedience leads to a blessing. Abraham's response to God's call was true obedience. Verse 4. I like the beginning of verse 4. If you look at it very, in different translations, it says almost the same thing, maybe different words. But what we gather from beginning of verse 4 is this obedience. Simply it says here, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And he was 75 years old. And he also took his brother's family, of course, with, with his wife, to this journey. So in the previous three verses, God gave Abraham a command and a set of powerful, astonishing promises. Abraham was to leave his home behind and go to a place God will show him. Pointedly, Abraham is told both to go from his old life and culture and to go to a new land and a new future. 
There is a thought of separation here. You know, God had to take Abraham out of what you know, out of culture, out of family. And that was physical. He moved him away from that. From the things that you know to something else that he didn't know. I don't know how you think of us applying that for us today. Because today it might not be physical separation. But it might mean that there are things that you learn to say no to these things, which is part of separation and consecration for the Lord. Maybe there are shows on TV that you learn to say, I'm not going to watch that one. Maybe there are messages that come to your screen, you know, these wonderful things, praise God for that you can WhatsApp and do that, but sometimes they come with a huge problem. And these are the things that we learn to say no to them and to grow into more and more. Maybe using these things to listen to God's word as we drive around and listen to good sermons and to listen to... Just can't even just plug in and listen just to the word read on you. But we need to come to a place where we are separated. And that is part of obedience. And God take the rest, consecrate us for his work. Does that mean that we become perfect? No. But it means that we are available to be used by God. In other cultures, in other contexts, when you say we're not perfect, people think that we're still encouraging sin in our lives. No, we're not saying that. We're not encouraging people to continue in sin. But we are encouraging people, if I can use this picture language of this river, to jump into this river and allow God to take you through you where he wants you to do. And before I move towards closing, I want to just look a little bit about this blessing and, the, and, 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 and this call and the blessing that God is making to Abraham. Other people, they call it the top-line blessing and the bottom-line blessing. I will call it command one and command two. If you are comfortable with the top line and bottom line, that's fine. But let's look what it is. Number one, it's a call to go. You go from your country to the land. I will show you. And if Abraham did that, God will make him into a great nation, bless him, and make his name great. The second command, bottom line blessing if you are, he was to live as a blessing to others. Let's just think about that for a moment. What does it mean to respond to God in faith obediently? Well, sometimes this word blessing is, is used in so many different ways. Sometimes when we think about blessing, we think about material things. Sometimes we think of life that goes very well. Yes, those are part of blessing. If your, your children are growing very well and they're obedient, oh, praise the Lord, I thank God for my children. If I've got a roof over my head, praise the Lord, he has blessed me. But I think this blessing is more than that. I think this blessing is similar to the prayer that we found in Psalm 67. We're not going to go there, Bazalon. Bazalon, by the way, is brethren. We're not going to go there. But it's similar where we come to the Lord and the Lord 
blesses us to have this faith in him. And to accept that, well, God has called me with what I am. I want to make an illustration here. It's not going to be very good in English. By the way, English is my second language, okay? Let me try and make this illustration. You know, I was in Wazulu Natal earlier this week, this year, and I was praying with someone whose wife was dying. I actually didn't know she had cancer. I didn't actually know how to comfort him. All what I did, I just went to him and spent time with him and prayed with him. And at the end, he came out as I was taking me to the car and so to thank me. And he said to me, you know, God's will will be done. If God wants to take my wife, if this is the end of my wife's life, it's okay. And he told me of a woman that he goes to church with. This is a very poor woman in the village. I don't know if you have seen a, a rural village life. This is a very rural village. And this woman always come joyfully to the church and praising God for all the blessings that God has given her. And you go and look at, at her heart. Her heart is falling apart. It's a very old tattered. And this woman enjoys the blessings of the Lord. It's not material. I want to believe that you and me who have crossed that line and surrendered to be children of God, we know that great blessing that we believe according to the word, that one day when we are taken away from this earth, we will see our Father and spend eternity with him. That's a great blessing. But now when we learn from Abraham, this bottom line or the second, or the second command will become a blessing to others. I'm not against helping people in a practical way. I'm not against that. I'm not against churches that, have, that are running soup kitchens. That's wonderful. I'm not against someone who see a need and take out his wallet and help a brother or sister or someone who's truly in need. That's, that's, that's not a bad thing. But a great blessing like Abraham is to see those people coming to know the Lord. Because they see how you walk with the Lord. They see your faith in the Lord. And they want to be exactly that. And they jump into the river with you. Well, in the New Testament, we've got a similar call. As I go towards closing. We have a similar call in the Great Commission. Like Abraham was called to come out and go the disciples of Jesus receive a call in Matthew chapter 28, especially when you look at verse 19 and 20. You know, Jesus comes to them and says, Go. The first word that he uses there say, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I see the call of Abraham and his obedience very similar, close to the what we call this great commission in Matthew chapter 28. But unless we respond by obedience, how will the nations come to be the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ? But wherever you are, whatever you do, if this rings in your mind that God has called you to be a shining light for him,
Matthew 5. To be that salt on earth. God will be calling people to him. There are many places in the Bible. I'm not going to take you there. Which shows us that you and me have become children of Abraham. I promise. It's in Romans, it's in Galatians, and many other places. So the faith of Abraham becomes our faith. The calling of Abraham becomes our calling. But maybe the river has turned to a mountain or down the valleys. I don't know. What is God saying to you about missions as an individual? What do you do if you go to that Somali shop? What a privilege that they are here and it's safe to speak to them about Christ. Let me pray for us, brothers and sisters, that God will move us to open our eyes to see those people who need to hear the gospel. I'll pray for us in Zulu if you don't mind. Let me pray for us in Zulu. Siyabonga akulba boingwele, mpela somandla, ngunkulungulu, ufanelu kutunyiswa, nufanelu kutandwa, ngezikati zonke. Ngea tandaza, tiklona mandla wonke, ugutu sisize.